Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly discussion about Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus, Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers. I think you got to lean toward the nine, the ride of a lifetime. The ride of a lifetime and Jose Ortiz to win it. But I will I will side with Monday Call. It's Monday Call, Joel Rosario, Monday Call to win it. Garana is a freak. That horse <laughs> is fast, fast, fast. What a battle in the grade one, Madison. Guarana fighting back. I think Rushing Fall wins the race. Rushing Fall's a single. Rushing Fall with a narrow lead and deep stretch of the cool board, Jenny Wiley. I'm going to have a ticket singled to Art Collector. Art Collector, Brian Hernandez Jr. to win the Toyota Bluegrass. We're back here for episode nine of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. This is for the weekend of July 18th, 2020. And we want to discuss a a huge weekend and a short meet at Keeneland. Art Collector with a resounding victory over the Philly Swiss Skydiver in the Bluegrass Stakes. He'll probably train on to the Derby, although his trainer has, has mentioned that the Ellis Park Derby would be a possibility for his next start. I'm hopeful for that. Art Collector earned a 103 buyer, and he's one of three horses on the Derby Trail to earn a triple-digit buyer. Joined by Honor AP at a 102 and Tis the Law at 100. He earned a rags in a five, which is okay. That's that's That puts him at the top of the class. But uh, I'm joined here today by Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers. Uh, Alan, you watched the Bluegrass Stakes. What was your opinion of Art Collector? I love this horse. I mean, I've, I've loved him since the, the one-turn mile when he had it um, Churchill back a few months ago. Uh, the horse just keeps getting better and better. Uh, you impress me. You impress me when you can win going away at one turn and then just continue to move forward distance-wise with, with um, such uh, such ferocity as he's been doing. The, the mile and eighth uh, handled easily at, uh, in the bluegrass. Looked like he could do more. I don't think it took a ton out of him. We'll find out. It'd be great if he went to Ellis Park. If not, we'll we'll see him at Churchill. But I am really pulling for this horse come Derby Day. Brandon, how's it going? Yeah, yeah great. Well, you know, it's fun that we had one of our listeners that day uh, took took notes from the podcast and put what I thought was a miraculous pick six ticket in that cost him $50 for the dollar at Keeneland that day. And... Uh, I did not see our collector doing it that day. And I went Swiss skydiver and he went single, single, single uh, from our, from our picks. And he, and he picked Swiss over our collector and he lost $6,300 on a $50 ticket. But however, he was a very satisfied listener because Keeneland always pays five or six. I don't know about always, but pay that day. And he actually made $4. He did not lose any money. So, I mean, he texted me saying, I've never had such a joy in my life besides raising his four kids. Wow. wow. <laughs> uh, to have a $50 ticket to win $6,300. And this is from a guy that started listening to us that I told him to, you know, give us a listen on the podcast. And and then he, got, then he downloaded the Twin Spires app. And uh, just to see something like that, I – I, I saved the ticket. I still want to show it on our website. I just haven't posted it yet 
on Facebook, but uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, was I disappointed? No, not really. Uh, you know, I'm disappointed for really the fans, but um, that horse is great. I picked Basin that day. Uh, just never showed up to win, but now is the Arkansas Derby winner. Yeah. Is that right, Craig? Yeah, he won the uh, – well, he by disqualification uh, because Charlatan oh. was demoted. Charlton was demoted because of the uh, the the uh, infraction, the, the overage, the drug overage, uh, the lidocaine positive. So yeah, Basin is now your uh, one half of your Arkansas Derby winning uh, tandem with uh, Nadal. Yeah, I was rushing in Basin that day, and I never saw our collector. And I wish I would have listened to Allen. So, uh, but you know, great bluegrass. I love Keeneland. It was a great day. Uh, I really. Did not do well at the meet the way I bet, but uh, still fun to see it. And man, it was over like a flash. It really was. Alan, can Scott or Art Collector uh, win the Kentucky Derby? Yes. I don't know if he's going to. I think he's up there in the very top of the class, along with Tizalaw, Honor AP, and a few others. Uh, you, you hold a gun to my head today, I'm taking Art Collector. Yeah, he's an easy horse to root for. Tommy Drury's based out in, uh, I believe, Goshen, Kentucky at the Skylight Training Center. So he's uh, he's been based in Kentucky for a long time. So yeah, he'll he'll be a sentimental pick for sure in the Kentucky Derby, provided that he makes it, of course. Uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about the Philly Swiss Skydiver. She was valiant in the feet, uh, ran second. Doesn't look like McPeak's going to uh, push on her to go to the Kentucky Derby. She'll probably settle for the Oaks, and and it looks like the Kentucky Oaks is going to really come up uh, aces this year. It's going oh, yeah. to be uh, yeah. There's there's three really good fillies. We'll talk about one of them in a in a minute, uh, but she'll join uh, Gammon, and and the filly Speech. Speech won the Ashland Stakes, two races before the Bluegrass, and she she set some uh, speed figure fireworks of her own. She's earned a buyer of 101, and a rags in a five, which is significant because that's the uh, the same rags and figure that Art Collector earned winning the bluegrass. So there's no doubt about it. Speech is probably on par with Art Collector. Uh, going forward, this this filly, uh, she's she's a bona fide top three pick in the Kentucky Oaks. And, and you know, you, you can make the case she's uh, she's Kentucky Derby quality right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, we talked about that race prior to going in. Speech could win the race, but Speech would have to run down Venetian Harbor. And it was a concern or a possibility what surprised me is how easily she did it. I mean, that's the short stretch at Keeneland. Venetian Harbor had no excuses. When it was time to pay the piper, speech went right by. And the only thing that kept her from going by further was the length of the stretch. I mean, it was a big-time effort. It really was. Brandon, how many beers in are you right now, buddy? Well, uh, just it's been a hard day. It's been a hard day. But, uh, yeah, just, just maybe four. But, you know, Venetian Harbor, I thought, was going to be the winner. I really did, and uh, I think if I remember that Bonnie South actually came in underneath, which I, I call that as a bomb, but uh, it's a pretty chalky Ashland, I thought, but uh, Speech ran a great race. I, there's no knocks against Speech. I, clearly uh, stronger than Venetian Arbor. Just nothing else I could say about the Ashland. It was a great race. Can't believe she went off four to one. In retrospect, can't believe the horse right. went off four to one. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Uh, they did run a Kentucky Derby prep race today at Saratoga. Of course, today's we're recording this on Thursday. Today's opening day at Saratoga, and the Peter Pan was run at a mile and an eighth. 
and it was won by Country Grammar for Chad Brown. That's the son of a tonalist out of, for, out of a forestry mare, so distance should not be a problem going forward. Alan, you got any comments on uh, Country Grammar's win? Can he factor in, in the Kentucky Derby in, in seven or eight weeks? Ooh, I think that's a stretch. Um, that, that field was a cut below what we've seen, some of the top horses. And Country Grammar, Irad Ortiz won that race on the turn. Um, the rail was good today at Saratoga, and there was a huge gaping hole on the rail for him. And uh, the horse got through. And it was the it was the the winning move because the horse on the outside, the Gustavo Delgado horse, uh, Curacao. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Caro 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 Caro. Yeah, that horse actually might have been best, but Arad got the trip, and uh, it was a long way back to the rest of the field. I don't know if anybody really impressed me that much, but uh, I think Arad won that race uh, more than Country Grammar did. Take nothing away from Country Grammar, but it, it was a great move. You saw a couple horses come up the rail today to make that decisive winning move we'll see if we see that going forward over the next couple of days at the spa alan you're 100 right i was caracaro on on today and I, you're right that trip wasn't there and you know the rail was sneaky and country grammar came up it almost looked like really country grammar re-rallied uh yeah you know, i think so. around the final turn which you don't see too often at the spa i mean everybody's got to remember that dirt is way different it's very deep and I, and I won't forget a horse today, if I could just go back to race four, that really surprised some people uh, that a listener actually, uh, you know, sent to me was Palace Duchess. I think that's the name. If, am I right on race four? Is that- you're, you're thinking of the Gaffleon first time, yeah. maybe? For Trombetta. For Trombetta, um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, the first time on. starter, 30 to one. No, I'm sorry, race five. It's race five, number four. That's Linda big, Rice. In, big, yeah, big engine. Yeah, Linda Rice. That horse got the trip, and you should see this thing explode up the rail and yes. just literally took command. So maybe that's, you know, for our listeners to see uh, maybe the next couple of days just to see who can sit off the pace a little bit at Saratoga because it is deep and who gets the trip off the rail. Look at those inside runners because, you know, the outside's just too hard to tuck in. And there is one more. Kentucky Derby prep race over the weekend. That's the Haskell Invitational. It's going to be run at Monmouth at a mile and an eighth. And this race, it, it came up light in numbers, but there is. Are you drinking another beer? No, I was turning my page. I'm sorry. Oh, Can you like, hear that? Yeah, it sounded like you cracked open another Budweiser. Pal. I'm about to, though. Okay. Well, anyway, back to the race. Uh, the race features authentic drew the two hole morning line of four to five and this horse was considered at the top of the uh top of the class last time for uh or when he raced in the Santa Anita Derby and he was defeated by honor AP after a wide trip Alan uh, can can we beat authentic here yeah maybe um I I don't care for the race that much to be honest with you I think it's a seven rate horse field I think it's a seven horse field isn't it Seven horse field. Uh, yeah, there's four fillers in there, in my opinion, to just try to make the race go. Um, there's a sprinter in there coming from Churchill that may try to push authentic early, but it'll be, be to, uh, to no fruition. Um, you know, maybe New York traffic gets the spot outside of authentic, mm-hmm. and Dr. Post can perhaps run him down the stretch. Because I'm, I'm a bigger believer in Dr. Post than a lot of people are. I think the horse has a lot of upside, and Mile and Eighth probably hit the horse between the eyes. That said, I, I probably won't bet the race because uh, I think it comes down authentic and Dr. Post. New York traffic probably figures somewhat, but 
kind of a boring race to me. Um, do you have a strong opinion, CC? If I play, I don't play a lot of Monmouth, but I, I might play this cross country pick five. If I do, I'm going to single authentic just because Bob Baffert owns the race. He does. Yeah. I mean, no telling how many times he's won this race, but, uh, you know, this horse has a pace advantage. Monmouth usually plays towards speed. I think uh, as long as New York traffic doesn't hook up with him early or maybe even Ancient Warrior. Ancient Warrior has some speed. Uh, you, you know, the, this has Authentic's name written all over it. It what does. Do you think, what do you think, Brandon? Uh, I agree with everybody, everything you all said. There's nothing I can really add that uh, would give more value to the listeners because everybody's right. I, you know, I'm looking underneath, you know, something – that's interesting that the number three Jesus team at 15 to one. I mean, this horse was a maiden claim at Gulfstream. And then all of a sudden switches barns to Jose Delgado. And it's running like lights out. So I don't know what's different. Can it go a mile and an eighth? I don't know. But uh, it, it's a funny, it's a funny play because it came second to Sol Volante. Yeah. You know, that, that horse mean, does figure a little bit. I'll give you that. I mean, but it figured just because, uh, you know, along, you know, it had a little bit of a layoff between March and May and switches barns and now it's firing, you know, uh, speed, speed numbers of 95, 97 based on Brisnet. You know, it's a big jump. Well, regardless of what type of wager you play, whether it's pick five, pick four, daily double, win, place, or show wagering, you've got to do your research. And we've all got our different methods of how we come up with a winner. Now, me personally, I mainly use uh, the daily racing form. I like the buyer speed figures. Or I'll use Brisnet. I like Brisnet a lot because of the pedigree information and, and the, uh, the speed figs, the, uh, the pace numbers. Uh, Alan, when you're trying to take home a, a big winner, what, what type of uh, material do you use to come up with a winner? You know, uh... A lot of people have a lot of different methods. Um, when I was younger, I mean, even as much as 10 years ago, I was a, I thought the daily racing form was the Bible to me. The daily race, I, I couldn't live without it. Uh, but in the last 10 years, I have transformed wholeheartedly. I don't, I don't even use the DRF anymore. I'm all Brisnet. I'm a Brisnet guy. Um, I know I, I like the pace figures. I like the late pace figures, the early pace figures. Everything I think I need for the most part is there in the brisnet um and as you said a lot of good pedigree information there too for people who aren't as in tune with pedigree because that can be a little uh, tricky to learn the other thing that i think that i use i think a lot of people do too and it sounds simple and it's free is i use my own eyes and what i mean by that is when you watch a race it's imperative and i try to explain this to people i know you want to watch the horse that you bet on but try to watch the race from that perspective and from a second perspective, watch it with a cold eye. Keep one eye on your horse, keep one eye on the race in particular. Watch the race as it develops, what happens. Because maybe you're in line for $200 this day and on this race and you lose, but maybe you pick something up that you saw that's going to make you $2,000 down the road. So it's a, And I don't watch a lot of replays. I, uh, I try to watch the race as itself, watch it unfold and make mental notes uh, for what I can keep in track going forward. So a combination of um, just my own eyes and brisnet's pretty much what I use. I'll piggyback on that too. Using your eyes. Also, 
this is going to be kind of off the wall a little bit, but I would use your, your mouth too. And the reason I say that, if you're with a buddy or if you're texting back and forth with somebody, use the name of the horse when you're, oh, using, yeah. you're describing how you felt about a certain race. Don't just say, hey, the four ran a really good trip. Down the road, when that horse comes back and runs again, he's mm-hmm. not going to be the four next time. You, you, you're not going to you're not going to refer to him as the four. It just might jog something in your memory. Now, this is yeah. really off the wall, but I think I think if you just say, "Hey, man, Authentic ran a huge race in the Santa Anita Derby. He was wide the whole way around. He didn't get a very good start. I like you know I thought Authentic ran huge. Instead of saying, "Man, that two horse was huge today," you know I I, I don't he, he was one to two. He got beat. He had a bad trip. But I'm going to bet this two next time. Yeah. Well, if you use the the horse's name, it might just trigger something in your memory. Between that day and the next time that horse runs, you're going to see a little – if you play the races like I do, I look at – I just about look at at least one track almost every day. You're going to see a lot of horses. So you're Mm going to be soaking up a lot of information in your brain. If you speak the horse's name, it might trigger something in your brain somewhere down the road – when you're digging through past performances and and all of a sudden that horse pops up and you say, hey, I remember that horse. That's, yeah. that's just me, but uh, everybody's different. Brandon, uh, what do you use yeah. when you're, when you're uh, digging up winners? Well, I appreciate what everybody's comments because I'm totally with you about, especially saying the horse's name if they're first or second or third time out. And they're trying to break maiden and they're not running for a claim. I think you've got to remember some of those horses, especially how they finish. You know, if they finish past the winner coming around the turn, even the pass for home, maybe they didn't get the trip. Maybe you got to go back and watch it. But I like how they get to finish past the wire. If they're still full of run, I like to notice that, and I'll stable them to see them another day. It may be a month, and maybe two months or three months. But when they come up, I get I get to I get the notification in a stable email saying that they've entered. But you know, I use as well Brisnet. It's very simple. You can get it complex. You can actually put them a different information on different pages. But, you know, I like the comments. That's what I read a ton about is how they finish. What I wish I would have and wish I could afford is DRF Formulator. I've seen this a couple times. I've got a buddy that has it and subscribes every month to it or a larger subscription. And you can really dial down into pedigrees uh probabilities if it's a turf sprint how the trainer has done on turf sprints you know like we actually ran into a deal that bob baffer was 0 for 15 in a special condition out of del mar you know this past weekend and you sure enough he didn't win and i was like wow man this thing is great and then it also gives you the real times that the horses have gone around the first and second turns and quarters and halves and whatnot uh, versus the actual finishers times or the whoever had the lead you know those those fractions so i think that's important always to look at too that would be like my dream if cc and this podcast can lift us to the next echelon uh, the drf form- <laughs> the net the drf formulator that's where i would go uh maybe a good sponsor out there that can underwrite that for us that would be super but you're right Definitely remember the names of horses. Don't call the numbers. I'm with you on that. Uh, and then two, uh, exactly kind of what Alan said. You know, you just got to keep your eyes looking. Watch with the yeah. track. You know, I tell you, the other, the one of the best things we've had during 
this COVID crisis is watching uh, Fox Sportsnet that they've never ca- carried horses. And, you know, they've carried Churchill Downs and then they've had Maggie Wolfendale, you know, calling shots out of the paddocks of these of these tracks. And, you know, just like today up in Saratoga, she had a huge pick and she's just got a great eye for the horse. You know, big bone, big on the muscle, may not have had a great trip the first time out. And man, she called a couple good size winners, not two to one, but like 10 and 14 to one that I wish I would have known about. But, uh, you know, watch them, just look at them and, and watch their gait and see their attitude. Sometimes you're wrong, but sometimes you can be right. I would say uh, Maggie Wolfendale and, and Kate and Bradar probably have the best eye in the industry as far as horse flesh. I mean, those are, yeah, I, I, I will definitely take their word into consideration when I'm, when I'm making or drawing up a play. So, uh, Alan, if, if money were no object, uh, what, what type of, uh, what type of info would you utilize? You, you know, uh, th- this is going to sound bad, but I, I, there's nothing else I would do. I got to be honest with you. I mean, maybe a touch of workout reports, which I'll use once in a while, but yeah, you know, like he was referring to the DRF formulator, but I think if you follow certain circuits enough, that you, you almost have a DRF formulator in your head to some extent. It's not, no one's going to know all that, that, that's that, uh, stuff. But if you follow the circuits, you, you know, which, which trainers point for this spot or what their patterns are and stuff. So there's, I don't, I don't, I'm not left wanting a lot of information and stuff. And that, that's not to sound, uh, like I have all the answers by any, cause obviously I don't, but I don't find myself, um, wanting much more. I like to, I, maybe I should watch a few more replays personally, but that might be about the extent of it. Well, let's use the info that we have and try to flesh out some winners on Saturday's cards at Ellis and Saratoga. Uh, we're going to give out some spot plays here. If we don't mention a race, that means we don't really have a strong opinion on that race. And that's okay because yeah, that's okay. You can't win them all. There's Pat Day said that you can you can beat a race, but you can't beat all the races. So we're going to try to go through Ellis first. Uh, we're going to start with race three, and this is one of the best parts about Ellis Park is the two year old racing. This is a five and a half furlong turf sprint for two year old fillies. The race drew a full field, and there's three also eligibles. First, I just want to go through the some of the pedigrees of of, mm-hmm. of these fillies. Uh, let's start. With the rail horse, number three, Twirling Wildcat. This is a daughter of Twirling Candy out of a Forest Wildcat mare. She's a half-sister to Evita Argentina, who won the, uh, the La Brea Stakes as a, as a late three-year-old filly. And she'll go for Wesley Ward. We'll go further out to the six-horse Lady Preach. It's the daughter of Gemologist. She's a half to a two-year-old stakes winner named New York Groove. It won the Prescott Debutante. Uh, she's on the board at 20 to 1. Let's go to the 10-horse. She's a shoe-in. This is a daughter of Honor Code, who won the, the uh, Met Mile and the Whitney Handicap. Uh, this filly, she cost $110,000 at auction, but she's a half-sister to several minor stakes horses. So, you know, there's there's some family in that pedigree. The 11 is the one I'm really interested in. This is a daughter of Tappet out of Nina Fever. This is Saturday Night is the name of the filly. It's trained by Brad Cox. She is a half-sister to... The two-year-old grade one winner nickname who won the Frisette Stakes. And the dam was a debut winner at Keeneland, going four and a half furlongs for Wesley Ward. So th- this horse has been working well at Keeneland recently. 
I figure she's got a big chance in here. And the last horse I'll mention is the 13 horse, Leona Vander, nine to two on the morning line. This is a daughter of the last lion. That that name's not going to uh, be real familiar here in the States. But the last lion was a grade one winner at two in England, won the Middle Park Stakes. Not much on the dam side, but uh, if the sire has anything to do with it, then this this filly should uh, should come out running. Um, Alan, what do you like in here? I tell you what, you, you actually named a lot of the the ones that uh, drew my interest. And as you're talking, I mean, I had kind of decided on twirling Wildcat for Wesley Ward. However, there's a couple of negatives there uh, because, it, like you mentioned, the horse actually had three quarters, if I'm not mistaken, to that $600,000 winner. Um, so, but she's got the rail. Um, she's got the rail, and it's Rocco. Ward usually loses Corrales on his really good horses. That's the horse you mentioned earlier, the 13, Leona Vander. So it's got to overcome that inside post in the full field. And it's he rarely uses Rocco. So I am wondering a little bit about that. But the pedigree really does uh, have me kind of want to use the horse somewhat. The other one I would actually talk using that uh, you didn't mention, and it's only because she had such a great meet last meet with uh, Maiden Turfers. Vicky Foley has not started many horses this year, but she had two or three horses just blew them off the track in Maiden Company on the Turf and Ellis last meet. So I'm thinking maybe she's got is sitting on one, perhaps. It's, it's worth inclusion. She got Rafael Bejarano on this uh, four-horse Springfield Dusty, uh, named after one of the great singers from the 60s, Dusty Springfield. Um, so I'm looking at the three and the four, but I do like the Brad Cox horse an awful lot on the outside as well, too. So give me Wesley Ward and Vicky Foley with a, with a little nod to Brad Cox on Saturday night. Okay, just to pin you down, who's your top pick? Uh, give me Wesley Ward with a three, twirling wildcat. Brandon, are you on Brad Cox this time? Uh, no, not on the outside on a turf sprint, not not right now. But you know that. But I had a question though because it's kind of interesting. You all brought up, you know, Joe Rocco taking a mount for Wesley Ward because that's not common. When when do the jockeys? And I don't know this, and maybe Craig or Allen know this, but when when they're doing uh the draws for the races when is the jockey named is it is the jockey named after the fact or before before the mount and before the position gets drawn i I guess it's before the position but i don't know it's 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 the time of draws when they name it Mm -hmm. so the agent's been working you know beforehand and and stuff so when they'll they'll know going in so right just confusing yeah right right well, yeah, I you know, if if zebra cake number two draws in, I, I'm definitely on zebra cake on number two. Uh, well, it's post position thirteen, which I'm not a big fan of, but you know we'll see. But I you know I I was going for pedigree here as well. You know, fast Dana, you don't see too often on the turf debuting. I uh, you know maybe maybe you do. I I I don't though. And so and with Vicky Foley training. I de- that one definitely caught my eye with Raphael at 12 to one morning line. But then I'm also outside on Saturday night with Sean Bridgman and Brad Cox. That's a combo that, you know, my little horse syndicate has run time and time again. That's, that's been, you know, it's proven fruitful for us. Uh, but the post is a tough spot. I mean, it, it, at Ellis, I don't know where they start at five and a half, but 
I mean, I know the back and how quick that turn comes up, but I would look for the four and the 12. I'm not going to give a top pick, uh, but I do like the fours and, you know, all right, top pick the four. Uh, Did you say Spring, Springfield Dusty? Did you say the 12? No, I'm sorry. I think he misspoke. Yeah. Yeah. 11, 11. 11. Saturday night. Okay. All right. So we're going to pin you down on the on the four. And then maybe if the two draws in, we'll go there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's two turn the sure. page. What's that? Two for sure. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, let's turn the page to race four. Brandon has a choice in this race. This is a $30,000 claimer for Phillies and Mares, three years old, never, never won three races. Or it's for three-year-old Phillies that have won several races. Uh, the favorite is the six horse, the morning line favorite, Frills, for Ben Colebrook, and will be ridden by Corey Lannery. She's coming off a decent layoff. She hasn't raced since March 19th. Brandon, are you against the favorite here? I want to be. I have some plays, but no, I don't. I mean, I think this is a single. You get Corey, one of the best jocks that's out there, riding well at Ellis. Ben Colebrook, you know, well-positioned this horse. Uh, it's meant to be here. I think, you know, for the starters that have left Turfway to come to first start at Ellis or at Churchill, they've actually been very good, especially at this condition level. So uh, I'm, I'm looking there. But, you know, a couple of things caught my eye that uh, I would definitely play underneath is a Little Miss Hot Mess with Julian Le, Le Peru. Uh, definitely – uh, did not do well at this condition at, at Churchill. Uh, you know, there could be some faults to that. Just wasn't prepared. Just didn't break well. But, I, you know, there was a claim. So I, I like to see the claim and the shift, and they're taking it from a different track, uh, as well as uh, Shackleford County, number two, with Joe Talamo. I think that horse has got a lot of speed. It looks at, it read it last time in November, but it's the first time starter for the season. So I'm honestly going to actually take the two as my top pick with Dale Romans, uh, Shackleford County in race for Ellis. All right. Let's go to, to race five. This is the first leg of the late pick four, the only pick four on the Ellis Park card. This is a five and a half furlong turf sprint for three years old and upwards, which have never won a race other than maiden claiming or starter. Or for horses which have never won two races, morning line favorite is Skyride, a horse we gave out as a single a couple of weeks ago on our podcast. Uh, the horse finally broke his maiden, going five and a half on the turf, comes right back in this spot. Alan, I know you didn't pick this horse. You know what? It's um, I feel bad because as anybody can tell you, I love the Michelle Lovell horses. I loved Skyride last time. Uh, Michelle Lovell almost never lets me down. That's why I feel bad that I will be not using this horse as my top play. I'm actually going to single a horse here to end a pick four, pick five. So, you know, everybody can get their bets down on Sky Ride because you know how that's going to go. But I like homebred. I like the three-horse homebred for Tom Amos. Um, Amos got a hold of this horse for 30000 Maggie Moss, those two are deadly together, especially when they use James Graham. Uh, claim the horse for thirty. Goes with Fairgrounds. I don't think uh, he was up against much that day in his initial try for Amos and Moss, but uh, 
blew the doors off the field by eight lengths, moves up into uh, optional allowance companies, just misses at the five-and-a-half distance, had a little trouble in both those races. The form gets cluttered a bit in the next start when they go to Indiana, and the horse never really threatens at the same, roughly the same level on, in the comeback try. But the horse likes to be up on the lead, up near the pace. Horse broke very poorly, was last away, as, as the comment said, with the Deshaun Parker, gets James Graham back. There's not a lot of pace in this race, I don't believe, so the horse should be able to get the trip that he likes by laying closer with a better break. Uh, again, there's those two races on the turf at the fairgrounds. I don't think uh, he beat a whole heck of a lot, but I'm willing to give this one a try in the 41 morning line. I think it's a pretty good single. So give me homebred in this one. And I apologize, Michelle Lovell. She's made me so <laughs> much money, made me look smart on occasion. So, you know, I think this horse can easily win, but I'm, I'm going to sign with homebred. And you, Brandon? Alan, I see declining form in homebred. I'm going to stay away, but I do respect your pick uh, totally. So we're going to go head-to-head on this one. All right. I think, <laughs> I think Shackelford's joy is actually sitting on a big race. You know, I think, you know, the June 18th race, you know, needed that race a little bit. That's a tough company that was asked. You're going a mile. Cut this horse back. This thing wins for fun in this race, in race five. I All really right. feel Shackleford's like Joy is just going to say, sayonara, <laughs> see you later, catch me at 9-2 to two on the morning line, bet Shackleford's Joy. I didn't really see anybody else that's got so much speed in the beginning uh, like this horse. I don't disagree with you, though, Alan. I, I got a lot of respect for your picks. You've done great. But I, I'm going to try to beat you here, buddy. I hear you. It's a horse with a big chance. Big chance. I like the cutback. Yeah. That's a heck of a field she ran against. He ran against last time. That's Angelus Warrior Juggernaut. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I, just to add on to that, Angelus Warrior ran second in the Mystic Lake Derby at Canterbury. I think it was last night, maybe, or two nights ago. It was last I think night. You're right. On Wednesday night, and then let me know. Won the Iowa Derby. Is a watered down Iowa Derby. Then was disqualified to second for a bumping incident. So that race did come a bit – somewhat was a key race. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving so, this horse more of a look now that you said that, Brandon. I'm giving a little bit more of a look than I knew. Yeah. So I could definitely I, see the horse winning. I'll tell you another little dangerous angle I see is the number one, Satchel to Riches. You know, when Maker comes aboard yeah, and Julian takes them out, I know it came out of uh, Belterra. You know, that's a softer track for sure. Uh, you know, I, I know that other, uh, trainer, Ethan West, nice guy, does a lot of hard work. Uh, but you know, the track was off that day. That's a dangerous play here. I just think the one and the four are super, super live here. Well, uh, you know, as well as the three. Let's talk about pedigree on this one horse. Yeah, Satchel Vanilla Bay. yeah. This horse is, okay. he's ran four times on the dirt and he's really bred for turf, right? Yes, he country, is. Country day. Ran was, second in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Yeah, and then Beyond Coney w- was more of a uh, a grass influence. So yeah, I think you may be on something. I, I would I I agree with you. I think you need to use the one, two, three, and four. And there's probably a few others in here that you you could consider using. Uh, let's skip race six. We're gonna go directly to race seven. This is a maiden special weight. Six furlongs on the dirt for three and up, and it looks like. The morning line favorite is Mountain Air for Brendan Walsh at two to one. 
Breaking out of the seven hole will be ridden by BJ Hernandez. This horse on debut ran a huge second, was beaten in the nose by the Steve Askewson trained Yapon. And I see the Yapon has entered Saturday in the allowance race. So whichever one runs first, you might get a get some insight on how the other one might run. Brandon, who you like here in race seven? Definitely Mountain Air. You know, you can't disregard it. I you know, who knows why it took so long to get to the track as a four year old. But coming out and debuting like that, that's very strong. Uh, so to see the tr- the track come to Ellis, you know, I, they could have shipped anywhere, but they came to Ellis. I'm glad this horse stayed at home. Uh, it should win in this company. But, you know, like I always do, I always look to, to bust, bust a rhythm here. But Cowboy Diplomacy should be, you know, right there with this horse. They're not definitely going as long as Cowboy Diplomacy's been running. I think Cowboy Diplomacy is a six to seven furlong horse, not a mile plus uh, two turn horse. Uh, that horse got a lot of attention at, at Oaklawn. It's sitting off a layoff. It's with Brad Cox, my favorite, and with Sean Bridgman combo. Those are the two I'm playing. Uh, you know, the barn, I think, did I know the barn changed somewhere? And no, maybe a different race. But. Yeah, so I'm 6'7 here in race 7 with Mountain Air and Cowboy Diplomacy. Cowboy Diplomacy is a half-brother to Monomoy Girl and mm-hmm. Mr. Monomoy. So the family tree is there. Mm-hmm. Brandon, uh, or excuse me, Alan, you agree with Brandon? Two-horse race, or are there others in here that could factor? I can't go two-horse race. I'm solidly on Mountain Air to win in this spot. Uh Cowboy Diplomacy could easily win off the layoff with that family and, and, and the previous races. But uh, Brent Walsh sends a horse out first time out to lose by a nose. You know the horse is good. It's a, They paid some money for the horse. Uh, Red the Sprint is by spite time a successful appeal there. And um, the middle move. I mean, the horse is, is sitting in a perfect spot to make the same middle move uh, he made last time when he posted that 101 middle move figure. And just kept going, kept coming to the wire. So I see the horse sitting second or third off, coming out of the gate and going to make try to make the decisive move late to win. Um, I think Mountaineer looks really tough in this spot. I expect to take a lot of heat. A lot of that said, there's some other ones in there. This is not a bad little race. That's, I'd keep an eye on All Eyes West, too, for Gary and Mary West and Brett Calhoun. The horse mm-hmm. stakes placed as a maiden for Jason Serverson when he got in his trouble. They had to move the horse to Brett Calhoun. Um, you toss out the mile and eighth effort against a really tough field at Gulfstream. Um, his sprint races uh, put him right in the mix right here. I'm on Mountain Air, but I've, I've got to I've got to keep an eye on All Eyes West. Give me Mountain Air for the win. Going back to Mountain Air real quick, uh, the third place finisher in that debut was Savvy. Savvy came back to Air at Keeneland last week by open length, and I believe the second place finisher, Lucky Asset was, yes, was fourth in that debut race, in that debut race that Mountaineer ran second. So that, that race came back really, really strong. Yeah. It's, it's fast on paper, and, and the body of the race has proved to be uh, solid going forward. Yeah, I'd add one thing. The par, for the what I mean by the par is uh, at the top of the page, it'll tell you what the average time for this, the horses that win these type races at this track uh, the par is 89. Mountaineer ran a 91 in his debut. So, I mean, he's already ran faster than what it theoretically takes to win this race. That doesn't mean he win, but the same can be said for all eyes west. So, 
these horses have both proven they're fast enough to win this race. We'll see if they deliver on race day. We're going to wrap up Ellis with race eight. This is a five and a half furlong allowance optional claimer on turf. Non-winners of 7,500 twice other than maiden claiming starter. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Alan, the favorite in here, the morning line favorite, is number six, Maniacal, for Eddie Keneally. And ridden by Corey Landry. This horse looks like he's dropping down from a really, really tough non-winners of three allowance optional claimer. Going five furlongs at Churchill is going to drop from a non-winners of three to a non-winners of two, but he's going to go with the claiming tag. That's how he can make that drop. Yeah. Uh, who do you like in here? Is it maniacal or, or I figure there's several ways to go here. There is several ways to go. And, you know, maniacal's a seven time winner. Ruler of the Nile, who's a, wins all the time is a, is a 10 time winner here. So I have a little hesitation with the horse I'm going to select because he's only a two time winner. Generally speaking, I don't like to go that way, but I'm going to, I'm going to give star a Kodiak three horse. a look for uh, Chris Davis and Adam Bichetza. Uh I think this horse has flashed turf sprint talent. I don't think he's had enough prize on the turf. They've been rained off. Things have happened uh, to really put his best foot forward. I think he's going to be a bit of a price in here. Racing Indiana downs. I think was it was a, um, get to know you kind of race, uh, get one over the track. I think maybe he might be in, in the spot to fire a back. Maniacal's a seven-time winner. Keneally, Corey Landry, always tough. Ruler of the Nile is a ten-time winner. Uh, one of those half the starts. It's, it's a tough spot, but I'm going to go against my better judgment, something I don't ordinarily do. I'm going to take a two-time winner and start of Kodiak for Chris Davis. The horses flash town at Arlington and Keeneland on, on the turf. It's had probably opportunities to do the same, but the races have been uh, rained off. So on the comeback trail, I'm going to give this horse a shot at probably a 7-8-1 to one prize for that in Bichetta. Um I like the comeback race at Indiana. I think there's a little more to this horse than what we're seeing. I think uh, the rained off races have kind of clouded the form a little bit. I'm willing to take a chance on Star of Kodiak in this spot. All right, well, there you have it. That wraps up Ellis. Uh, let's go to Saratoga, where they have an 11-race card. It's going to be 90 degrees on Saturday, mostly sunny, so the weather shouldn't be an issue. We're going to kick off our Saratoga analysis with race three. This is the National Museum of Racing Hall of Fame Stakes. It's a grade two race for three-year-olds, going nine furlongs. It's going to be on the inner turf course, so a little bit tighter turns this time. That should usually favor speed, but we've got a heavy favorite in here, number seven, Decorated Invader. He's a multiple stakes winner. He just recently won the Penine Ridge Stakes. It's a grade two at Belmont going a mile. He won easily that day. Looked looked beautiful doing it. Uh, Brandon, uh, are we going to go with the favorite here, or, or is there a way to make some money off of this race? You know, early pick four, uh, you definitely have to cover. Uh, I'll be looking to tie the uh, – you know, the base bet for a pick three at, at Saratoga is $1. So I'll be using two horses for a pick three to start here. Uh, is I'm going to use the number one domestic spending with the Chad Brown barn. You got Irad Ortiz on. This horse is lightly raced. Uh, we've only seen her uh, or seen him twice. And this is a big step up, uh, but there's a reason why this – Wow, this connection's making this move and making this position here. Uh, you know, some other interesting uh, 
horses here, even though it's a seven horse field. I, I definitely agree with Decorated Invader, uh, number seven with Christophe Clement. Uh, Joel Rosario takes the ride. Uh, I, I do think it may be a two horse field here. I don't see anybody else really coming up after these horses. So I'm going to take a, a very easy stand on, on race three with the seven Decorated Invader. And I'm going to try to play Chad on the uh, domestic spending. So I don't know how much domestic spending y'all been doing during the COVID, but I'm about to spend a lot right here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's fast forward to the late pick four at Saratoga. Race eight. Some mile and an eighth on the dirt. It's an open claimer. Open $25,000 claimer. And... I didn't take very good notes here, but I believe the favorite, the morning line favorite is number nine, Hammerin Ammer, A-A-M-E-R, Hammerin Ammer at five to two for Brittany Russell and will be ridden by Javier Castellano. Alan, take it away. Um, I don't have a strong opinion here, but once I tell you guys the horse I am going to select, I'll probably get kicked off the podcast and they'll never let me bet another horse again because I'm going to take a, a chance in this race. I'll have this horse in a pick four. I'm sure I'll bet it across the board. 30 to one morning line went off 50 to one last time. Holiday bonus. I mean, it's a crazy pick. Uh, I acknowledge that, but as you know, CC, I will do that on occasion. Uh, my only logic with this horse is Flowers for Lisa's in the race. Flowers for Lisa has that runaway speed. Anytime you see a horse with runaway speed where they just they where they just freewheel, uh, what what can theoretically happen behind is the horses that either A want to be on the lead or B are comfortable stalking can get taken out of their game, so to speak. A horse would like to sit third by two lengths and you have a runaway leader, all of a sudden a horse is fourth by seven lengths and a horse is not comfortable or gets stuck in chase mode. In races where I think that's a possibility that might happen, and it might happen here, it might not. I'm not saying it will. I like to take the horse that likes to come from far, far back after those horses in the mid-pack have stopped. And I think maybe Holiday Bonus can make the last move. The horse has been a mile and eight before and uh, made a bit of a premature move to get caught the wire for third. Maybe if Joel Rosario sits, 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 if there's a pace thing that develops up front, maybe the source can make the last run at 47 to one. But um, I've probably talked too much already about a, about a crazy bomb like that, but give me holiday bonus at a, at a monster price. Well, there you have it, folks. Don't ever say we never gave you anything. <laughs> well, I may just may have gave an eighth place finisher, but okay. <laughs> Going to race nine. Now this is allowance optional claimer mile on the 16th. Also on the inner turf. Uh, this is uh, these are for the for the for the really good horses, the the good turf horses, not not stakes level, but very close to stakes level. And it looks like the morning line favorite is number six set piece for Brad Cox, who just comes off of a very impressive rallying effort at Churchill, going a mile on turf where he ran down uh, stakes horse Bala Rocks. Uh, there's a horse I really like in here, Alan. Uh, I think. You're probably on the same horse. Uh, who are you on to, on this race? I tell you what, it's it looks to me like a four horse race. It looks uh, with digital age set piece. With by the way, set piece came home in twenty two and one. The last two furlongs, 
22 and one last time. That is absolutely flying. So I like set piece more than I like digital age, but, uh, I'm gonna, I'm having a hard time deciding between these two Ramsey solution and red right hand. I'm probably going to side with Ramsey solution. Uh, the horse has a world of upside. Um, there's one blip on the radar for this one. That's the second at, uh, Turfway Park, which might scare some people off, but that was a some like a hot brown who won the Jeff Ruby Stakes last year. Mm-hmm. So that, but there's no disgrace in running second to that horse. And if um, we've made some money on Ramsey Solution uh, CC, and the last race was just total command throughout. So I think there's a lot. I think this horse has a bright future. I'm going to take Ramsey Solution, but I think Red Right Hand on the inside it could run a big race second off the layoff. This horse is. Proven to be um, a, quite a turf horse for Tom Morley. I, I can't believe the 12 to 1 morning line on this horse. I, uh, I'm going to take Ramsey Solution with a touch of red right hand and set piece. And Digital Age will be just a B for me in this spot. All right. I'm going to, uh, well, my, my key for the day is going to be Ramsey Solution. And yep. this horse was, as a matter of fact, I think we, the three of us, hit a pick five together. Yeah, on we did back in the fall so mm-hmm. yes this horse has been good to us this horse was entered in the the elkhorn stakes yes. closing day is the vinyl race of the keeneland meet and they scratched him and i was hoping i was looking for him to show up at some point and he shows up in a really tough allowance race here though but it's a better spot it's a better spot for him. it's a better spot for him and he comes off of gigantic work uh and this is on the keeneland website they 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 will do they have a clocker that will uh, that will post notes just for the Keeneland meet. Now they don't do it anymore, but you can go back and find you know certain horses, and, and this is one of them. And the note was big turf work, breaking seven lengths behind barn mate Owlette. Collared that one near the wire. That was six furlongs uh, on the turf. The dogs were out, which the the dogs are basically orange cones. They set out in the middle of the, in the middle of the turf course to protect the inside of the turf. So your your times are going to be slower. He yeah. worked six furlongs in one fifteen and four fifths, or one fifteen and two fifths seconds, and he, he made up seven links on Owlette. Owlette just won a stakes race at Woodbine. Uh, won the Star Shoot Stakes, so you know he 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 made up ground on a stakes horse. So I think he's he's the now horse right now. What I'm going to do, I'm probably going to use him probably in Exactas with set piece and digital age and Alan's horse red right hand. Uh, but I will have a win in place bet. I think you're probably going to get three or four to one on this horse because all the money is going to go toward set piece and digital age, all the real money. So I think you're going to get your price on Ramsey solution. So he's going to be my play of the day on Saturday at Saratoga. Yeah. And if I could add one thing to that, those two races that he's won at Churchill, particularly the last one, if you watch them, they were visually impressive. There was never at any point during those two races you did think the horse was going to lose, and he was in complete command throughout. So the horse is doing well. The horse has talent. So I hope you get this one home because I like it a lot too. Yeah, and if I can add one other thing, the owners are Ken and Sarah Ramsey. They've owned a few horses in their time, maybe five, six, seven thousand. I don't <laughs> know how many horses, but they also have a house out out back of Saratoga, and they watch the horses breeze and work out in the mornings i don't know it's something said when they're just so connected 
people want them to win. The I I just feel like all points to them in this race. Yes, is there a stronger stronger horses on paper? It looks so, but I think that day is going to belong to them in that race. All right, we're in agreement. All right, so we're down to the final two races on the card. The tenth race will be the Coaching Club American Oaks. It's a Grade One. It's a storied race. Grade One. $350,000 for three-year-old fillies. It's a mile and eighth on the dirt course, and there's been a lot of great horses that have won this race in the past. And the favorite, morning line favorite, will be the one-horse toneless shape shipping in from Florida for Safi Joseph. will be ridden by Arad Ortiz, and this filly has won six of her seven lifetime races. She's bred for the distance. Her sire won the Belmont Stakes. But come on, let's be realistic. Can we beat this filly? What about you, Alan? Yes. Uh, I'm using two in here. I think it's uh, – I think Tola's shape is legitimate in this spot. Uh, she scratched out of the Ashland last week. I, I think this is a better spot for her. Mile and eight is still a bit of a question mark, but at the same time, this horse has six wins, uh, which four of them are stakes. Uh, so you can't take that away. Uh, from her so it's I will use toneless shape but I'm also going to use and I think a lot of people will too the horse that has just the one maiden win but my god was it impressive and if anybody's listening to this I'd go back and watch this at laugh um, is the other one I will use in here um, if you saw the dirt race at Churchill Downs going to my, uh, the one turn mile this horse just blew by him effortlessly uh, there's a big future for this one is uh, this one going to be able to beat Toneless Shape today? I, I don't know. But down the road, I think everybody thinks this horse is a runner. So give me those two in this spot. I know Paris Life is going to take action. I don't think she's been beating that much at Churchill. Not like uh, Toneless Shape's been doing. So I'll, I will settle with Toneless Shape and Atlap in this spot. And that's the one and the three. Brandon, uh, where do you fall in this race? I, I think you're already against the, the, the favorite. So who, where does your favoritism lie? Well, you got to give respect. It's on the shape, but I definitely second Allen. Uh, Atloff is definitely a contender here. Very impressive. You got Chad Brown, the the sire. I mean, this is just this is a well-bred horse. This is the time to see them. They've been waiting for the spot. Uh, I just think that's going to be a very competitive race. There's not. It's not much. It's not very deep here. You only get six horses, so you got to take a shot. Uh, you do not, uh, and to my mind, I don't go wide in this type of race. Uh, but, you know, I also like to give a, a nod to Crystal Ball. You got Winstar Stablemates Racing LLC. You got Baffert being entered here. Malibu Moon, this horse is a $750,000 purchase just a year ago. Uh, this horse has done nothing wrong. And you got to give one race sometimes to, for them to actually see the light. Uh, and I do think, uh, I don't know, shipping out of Santa Anita, that's great. Uh, the spa is always different, but Baffert's done it before with shipping Arrogate. I, I think Crystal Ball should be, you know, should look at this one for sure. But you, CC, how about your opinion here? I have no clue. I'm going to work on this a little bit more. I, I want to be against the favorite because I think she's won a lot of races without having to be really, really fast. I'd agree with that. But on the flip side, you know, a horse that wins six out of seven, that you know they've got some kind of talent. I mean, you just don't luck into that. 
I think you're going to have to use your. Now, naturally, I'm going to I'm going to use a few on this ticket that I'm going to create. So I I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but um, I, I will a use a few in here. It's a little interesting after those six wins. Now they're putting blinkers on the horse. I find that a little bit odd. Uh, but mm-hmm. We'll see. Totally, totally. Yeah. I think this is a CC bet chair. CC <laughs> bet chair should be coming out on Twitter. Everybody be watching out. Oh, I don't want to talk about the bet chair. That went sour. Sunday night at Del Mar when we got beat a nose at about 1500. That wasn't cool at all. Just going back to Atlaf, the three horse for Chad Brown, trying to dig up the, the, uh, the next outrunners there. Majorette came back. She was, I believe second. She's a distant second. It was a bit of a slow pace race. Yeah. She came back to run second again on June 26th behind Wild Love, which is a Steve Asmussen filly that just aired that day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at Valletta. Valletta finished off the board in her next start. Yeah, it was a bad race. I'll tell you that. That was, a, that was nothing out of that race came back to run well. Valletta ran today at Saratoga. She yeah, finished ran sixth. Last. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so I, you know, what was behind her was not uh, not particularly impressive, but – she did win it easily. So, you know, I think you probably have to use Atlaf or Altaf or whatever her name is. Now we're going to go to the last race. And this is, to me, this is the most important race on the card. It's on the most important <laughs> race on every card because if you're alive here, you got to pick the winner here. And this is usually a tough race. Brandon's going to take us home and he's going to select the winner so we don't have to worry about it. That's uh, good. Yeah, Brandon, win us some money here, man. Yeah, you guys can take the rest of the night off. I think I've got an angle here. But it's crazy because the condition is this is state bred. So state breds mean that wherever they've been born, they have to run and race in that same stakes race, or not stake, but company of a race. So, you know, not just anybody. I, I love Kentucky horses coming into maiden races, but this one's just only for state bred. So this is tough. It's very tough for me. But there's two horses I'm going to, I'm going to single out here. The four midnight whiskey. Uh, we got Joel, Steve Asmussen actually enters a race and I haven't seen him come up to Toga just yet, even though he runs like all across the world. Uh, and then I love the 10 top of the mint, uh, Mark Henning, this horse, you know, it's been seen at Belmont off track did. Okay. Only, only lost by a length. So you really can't fault him for that. Gets a leading leading jock. They're switching jocks. Looks like three or four times here. So Jose Ortiz takes the mount. I think Jose is going to be due here. Uh, so th- those are kind of my two plays. You know, but there's actually one other one. If it, if if they doesn't scratch out, is Kaz's Beach number one A. So I, I you know I love first time stars in this position because. Everybody's already kind of seen a lot of these horses. I know the two is is still a first-time starter, but these works are very impressive. I mean, extremely impressive, and it's consistent. I do like when you go from a five-furlong condition work out of the gate down to a three-furlong. I I call this a breeze, but still through a bullet, you know, going third. Yeah, I mean, this horse is primed. If it doesn't scratch, hopefully it's it's an entry. Uh, so I would look for the 1A Kaz's Beach, followed by the uh, top of the mint. And then I think I had the Midnight Whiskey, number four. Well, I would add on to that. I think you need to use the seven Papa Luke for Definitely, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's attracted John Velasquez to ride 
this horse in his first start for the barn, he, he'd made one prior start in, in his second start and first start for the barn. He finished second at the same level going six and a half. And like you said on the, the one, a Kaz's beach. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the other half of the entry too is a first time starter. Uh, it, I think there's something to be said for first time starters at the beginning of a meet. I think some of these trainers, you know, that, uh, the trainer Eduardo Jones has has trained this horse at Penn National, and the purses there are nowhere near what they are at, at Saratoga. So I mean, the purse for this race is sixty two sixty two thousand dollars. So you got to think that maybe one of these horses is live, the one or the one A. Yeah, that uh, that owner Peter Casamias, he went he wins out at Saratoga from time to time. So they had they may have had a good New York couple of New York breads sitting in there. They they take them up to. Uh, take them up to Saratoga and get a win. That might be the plan. Yeah. Like I said, there's just, there's something to be said about first time starters at the beginning of a meet, you know, they're they're just usually well meant. So just keep an eye on that. And basically that's a, that's a wrap for this weekend. Uh, Thank you all for listening. I want to thank uh, my pals, Alan and and Brandon for joining me again for episode nine. You guys got anything you want to add? Oh man, no. Uh, is COVID over yet? <laughs> yeah, I've got something to add. I tell you what, today at Saratoga, I saw this horse. I tipped it for a friend of mine, and you know I was busy. But the escape fun in number in race four, number one, a lot of well-bred horses that went against this horse today, and boy, did it come home paying seventy-one dollars. Hot one know, easy. Never, never played. So I just love giving out big tips that just don't don't uh register in my pocketbook but i think on the next podcast next thursday we're going to have names for our two-year-olds that i've got racing out of the full of run uh barn so that are still training back at at uh churchill downs and then we've got uh a horse that we just had our our horse claimed uh tappy gal entered at ellis on sunday if i don't if i think that's i think that's correct for another claim of ten thousand. Uh, we'll see how she does in that company. All right. Well, we got that to look forward to. Uh, like I said, good luck to everybody this weekend. Thank you for listening. And we will see you for episode 10 next Thursday night. And until then, may the horse be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>